cultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, living with the fact that the monster is indeed under your bed. Heroic deeds from the fine folks at Sure Design T-shirts. Stories of the Quentin Tarantino of the late 1500s. From the digital mailbag, the continuing fascination with the apocalypse, seals as dream guides, and a new dog named Conan. And now, quietly awaiting my one-way trip to Guantanamo, I am Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, answering hopelessness with a defiant smile and a raised middle finger, Daniel Bellelli. Along with our internet guru, Evan Culver. Away we go. Golly gee, it's February already, and unbelievably, it's episode 10 of the Drunken Taoist Podcast just like that! Woo! We're in double digits. It's unbelievable! Yep. I looked at my Stitcher numbers because I just can't stop looking at it, and you people are awesome, and you keep listening, and I can't thank you enough, but 11,000 downloads on Stitcher alone, and 550,000 listening to minutes. You people are crazy, 550,000! I haven't done half a million of anything, and that's awesome! So, with no further ado, Mr. 550,000 Minutes on Stitcher himself, Daniele Bondelli! <laughs> Damn, the man is on. It's episode 10! <laughs> We're just excited! Damn. <laughs> yeah, get us, um, please, get us everybody on board. Friends, family, Even whatever. Even people you don't like. Yes, please get them to listen to us. We need our daily ego boost, and you can help us with that. Your, our self-esteem depends on it couple of quick things for the intro um we're gonna mention it later but just i want to briefly throw it out there there's going to be a heroic tale of uh, the guys from shortdesigntshirts.com who save the day when it save comes to shirts day. so you guys those of you guys who order are probably gonna receive in these days thanks to these guys um but yeah you'll get the story later at some point in the episode in any case you guys are awesome thank you so much from shortdesigntshirts.com um mm, 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 mm. good happy sponsor story the chris odell a lovely man from that Susara, kicks ass and decided to actually sponsor the podcast as a regular thing becoming not just an affiliate but a regular sponsor and uh, you know we're really honored and thrilled that he chose to do that uh super exciting i may start by the way he asked me the other day to start writing a few things for his blog so he wants to kind of go over a list of characters that from Bruce Lee to Joe Rogan to whatever, write a little bit about them. And the running theme of the Datsasara thing is people who create their own path, people who, you know, sort of the term itself, the Datsasara story, the term Datsasara is referred, is a Japanese term that refers to abandoning corporate life. What an awesome word. It's basically becoming a ronin, you know, like the masterless samurai who sort of goes off. And that's, so the, I mean, it's as cool as it gets, the concept itself. I like the idea of the website that is going to do, I mean, some of these tales and story of, you know, people who make up their own thing. I was about to say Mavericks, but Sarah Palin fucked up that word forever, so we can't ever use it again. But we can say awesome bags. Yeah, that's the other thing that makes makes it easy to be sponsored by him, is that we don't have to lie. You know, the stuff is amazing. The bags, computer bags, backpacks, everything. All hemp made, which 
if you are a sensitive soul and you are into sustainable things and not just enjoying fucking up the planet no pesticide very sustainable crop at the same time if there was a ufc of hemp versus cotton hemp would kick cotton sass any day well probably even easy to do cotton sass come on what's that <laughs> but in any case it's like four <laughs> times stronger than cotton is like nature kick-ass fiber so that's very good one of the things that's nice about the bags is that antimicrobial so microbes germs fungus all kind of crap especially if you go to the gym or you use bags in that type of environment it's shady what it can pick up not with these ones because hemp packed against it and essentially you know the way i picture it is and i swear i had no drugs in my body as i was imagining this but i picture that if you have some atomic microscope and you put it on the datsusara bag what you would see are micro minuscule little hemp warriors kind of like a whole army of the chinese terracotta soldiers but they're all made of hemp and they are like a one zillion of a millimeter big and they are just the second microbes hit the back they start kicking royal ass and they you know they let out their best imitation of a bruce lee ki before they <laughs> attack and kill all the microbes coming in so i mean that's a sarah bag microbes never stood a chance <laughs> <laughs> so there's that get yours over there and um if i we'll put some of the details in the episode notes so if you do want to buy do us the favor of checking the episode notes at the drunken we'll put uh, you know his link to the website i believe there's a code to get a discount and if i fucked it up chris please forgive me um but um what's the website address uh i assume it's that's a saradoc or dsgear.com DS i know that for sure that's his twitter is dsgear i that's think the it's the website too okay perfect and uh but yeah his stuff is awesome so having said that um last but not least one thing we want to throw into the intro about uh, the wonderful human beings who decided to donate to the drunken Taoist podcast here we go with me killing your names and uh, uh, some of you I think I can even pronounce semi-right. I don't think they're going to want to hear it if we don't get to hear botchering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, oh, I have to tell you a story. Speaking of uh, the, um, my poor knowledge of the English language, I was teaching this class one day and I can see this girl is looking more and more confused as I'm saying stuff. <laughs> and I hear all of a sudden she's like, wait, are you saying sovereignty? And I'm like, yeah, sovereignty. As I was telling you, it's like American Indian sovereignty is a big. It's like, oh fucking, it's sovereign. And I was like, oh okay, that's why nobody has a clue what I'm saying. It's not that it's a difficult concept. It's that I'm pronouncing a whole other word. But yeah, on that note, in any case, uh, Josh Johnson managed to break the records of donations so far. And um, we have Joseph Bowser, uh, George, Va- uh, or probably Jorge Valdovinos, either George or Jorge, depending on whether you anglicize or not. Uh, Victor Gonzalez, Andrew LeBaron, Colin Duffy, who tied the record for the highest donation with Josh. Michael Clement, uh, Nick Sealy or Sealy, one of those. Uh, again, sorry about that. Ray Taylor, who uh, has his own podcast uh, called The Inspired Disorder. If you, so if you want to check Ray's stuff out. Travis Albert, Blair Jordan, who's a regular donor. I think he just clicks PayPal every so often by mistake and donates to us because it's like the third time or something that they give us something, which is very sweet. 
Oh, I'm gonna fuck up your name, sorry. Easy first part is easy, Andrew. Last name Brunquel. Brunquel? Brunquel. I don't know. Something. Um, impressive. You are a cool person in any case, because you donated to us and we love you. Uh Eugene, another one I'm gonna screw up, Eugene. Sorry. Le Livre, La Livre, love something. Matthew Hogan, Hagen. Fuck, there's a list that I can't pronounce. Thank you to Tony Ortiz, whose name I can pronounce. That makes life a lot easier. And thanks to Don as well. Yeah. <laughs> Malon Khan, Leslie Ferris, and uh, Adam La Rosa. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you actually to all of you guys for listening. Because I mean, the big thing is we love just being in this process of getting your feedback, putting these things out. You know, the fact that you guys are listening to us we are very very honored with that and the, the uh, emails are awesome the tweets are awesome emails are awesome tweets are awesome i definitely agree it's half more than half of the fan of doing the podcast is the feedback you get from people and the interactions you get to have yeah. the um, people who donated and you guys are trying to keep us afloat that way man i have no words to thank you and as you well know by now me having no words who that takes a lot that's <laughs> epic so Yes. All that sovereignty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for good sovereignty stories, let's start episode 10. Here we go. I have a dream today. And now we cross the ethereal plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. Dream time it is, but right before we start with the actual dreams, let me throw some random story that has nothing to do with anything, but this seemed like a good place as any. This would be random in. story time. Yeah, this is random story time. So the other day, I um, there's a new dog in the house because um, I rescued this random dog from the streets. I decided to give him the test of whether we, I would consider keeping him or not. And so I try to address him as Conan. He seemed to respond, so I already like the dog. That's a good thing. Now, the true test will come when, in the voice of a Mongolian chieftain, I'll ask him, Conan, what's best in life? And uh, if he answer about something about crushing your enemy, hearing the lamentations of their women and so on, preferably in an Austrian accent, then he gets to stay. Otherwise, I don't know. We'll see about that dog. But if he can pull that off, he's definitely in. Seems like he's got an uphill battle, huh? How's he doing so far? He's great. Conan is. <laughs> and, and the Austrian doesn't even make you... <laughs> no, so, but in any case, that was nothing to do with Dreamtime, so sorry. That was just, I had to say it. But so Conan looks like he's staying. Conan may be staying. We'll see. Any other dogs in the goes. house already? Yeah, there's one already that I wanted to call Conan to begin with, but the dog is a fucking wimp, so he's lovable, but so, like, that would have been the biggest joke ever, because he's like, Conan, <laughs> It's like, nah, that doesn't work. Kind of awesome irony every time but, we call him. Here yeah, come. yeah. But um, dream time. So there's a couple of interesting ones from this month. First, well, it started actually with my daughter a few nights ago that she woke up in the middle of the night and she's crying. And I'm like, what's going on? What's up? And she's like, someone at school ate my nonna. Nonna is grandma in Italian. And, you know, cannibalistic dreams about somebody eating her grandma, that's not a good thing. So I was trying to reassure her about the, her cannibal dream. But that gave me, you know, I woke up really, it was like 4 a.m., 3 a.m., something in the middle of a dream cycle where I would have never remembered this dream. And so all of a sudden I remember as I'm going back to sleep, I'm like, what the fuck was I just dreaming? Because what I was dreaming was that I was running up some stairs and I had these four seals chasing me. 
by seals, I don't mean Navy seals. I mean actual oh 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 seals. They were chasing me up <laughs> there. They go oh oh oh. I punched them in Is the that face. Your Pacific spotted seal and could have been elephant. I grabbed this one seal and North. tossed it down the stairs. And um, so there was this some strange violence with the seals and. Um, so my subconscious kind of amused me. Somebody actually took the time, I put that on Facebook, and somebody told me that the dreaming of seal is a very lucky dream. Seals are thought by some culture to bring dream guides, effortless swimmers who glide through the waters of the imagination, taking you where you need to be to unearth your innermost self. They denote spirituality, creativity, and offer a bridge between the divide of the conscious and the subconscious and blah 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 blah. it's actually a cool email about this whole thing which mildly scare me because if seals are indeed some dream guides what exactly does that say about me that i'm punching them in the face and when they're trying to help me undertake my inner they're muscle probably, they're probably used to a little bit of hesitation when they first can arrive. i say something about this whole the, the dream guide thing i mean please what a oh, question i guess what the hell is it with people trying to do the whole horoscope meaning i mean isn't aren't i mean dark dreams is a totally personal thing I mean, ah, how but it's a cool story that? you know what i mean is like I agree. i'm all I for entertainment much. so do i believe it do i not believe it i don't care it doesn't really matter whether i believe it or not so it's like i wouldn't take things overly seriously at the same time good stories are good story i'll there run with them so that's point. my all right we'll go with that but on the my daughter's weird dreams keeping showing up on another one you know she actually slept through the night she wakes up in the morning she seems all happy you know everything is going okay and uh, she look at me and she goes we need to kill the monsters and drink their blood to get their strength mind you she's three and a half years old we need to kill the monsters drink their blood to get their strength i'm like maybe i should to tone down the Conan thing. Maybe that's the household is a little saturated with the vibe because maybe little girls could dream about other things, but it's like really drink their blood. That's cool. I like it. But at the same time, it's mildly disturbing. Every little thing is gonna be right. <laughs> I love you, baby. There were other people with me. I tell them what was going on. They were like, "Well, your, I mean, your your daughter, you yeah, know." I was so like, this is very, is it, yeah, "So you can't look that up in some dream guide book." Right? Actually, you I just uh, looked it up here in the dream guide. Oh, said, what did it say then? No. Sorry, I might have been mistaken. Monsters what? represent opportunity. Drink their blood. It means that she's going to be quite the business person, willing to. Well, you know, let's put it in Bhopal. If it goes up, it's okay. We already made our money. Or she's going to be a vampire. Either one. <laughs> Either one. one. Yeah. Either one. I think it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> but that was. That was. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all the ones we got for this month. Either so. that or your daughter is clearly a cannibal. I mean, yeah, no, and I'm all for it. I mean, I think cannibalism, <laughs> there's something to be said about it. But In, I another three that. weeks, it could be time for it. So. Right, all right. You get hungry enough. Yeah, I'm all for my post-apocalyptic scenarios usually include cannibalism, and they seem like a good option. But <laughs> yeah, cool. So that was your dream time for the month.
I just still think it's all a miracle that it works anyway. Maybe I'm just in there. No, it's all it's all pretty amazing, man. The, the the fact that somebody can download this anywhere in the world and whoever you are, hello and welcome and have fun and watch out for the asteroid on February fifteenth. This is what I think is crazy. This is this is where we've reached. Oh, that hey, even we... even the asteroid is a celebrity now. What's the deal with Jane? There's an asteroid coming by that's about 50 yards. Not gigantic, but half a football field in a big chunk of rock. But it's going to swing 17,000 miles from the surface of the planet when it comes by, which is so close and so big that it is going to be a record holder. Now it's going to, it's the record holder for biggest closest since we started looking. And that's where the silliness begins. Like, you know, you get a fucking prize as it comes by, get Guinness out. Good job, you're the largest, you know? That's funny. That's where the madness is. But it's, you know, when you're talking 17,000 miles, the Earth roughly 4,000. So you stack four Earths in a row, way, way closer than the moon. Yeah. And it's going to sling right on past. We're just doing a lot of whining. There you go, maybe. Speaking of which. Whoa! Yes. Whining, uh, whining, whining, whining is our rant of the day. Um, I alert, we kind of already went here before during one of our episodes when Mike V was here. We briefly touched on it. I touched on it on Duncan Trussell's podcast, but this is a, you know, it's worth bringing up again because it's just a bad habit, you know, and we all do it. The point is, we all get at one point or another into that mode of life poor is unfair, me. poor me, exactly, bad luck, uh, and uh, the world is so cruel. People are mean, and all the shit. And by the way, all of that can be true to a T. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that stuff is not real, get over it. No, no, that stuff is real. But the point is, so what? You know, yes, it's real. Yes, poor you. Yes, many are unlucky. Or yes, that person was really a dick or whatever that may be. You can have every good reason in the world to be pissed. And, you know, there's something to be said about venting out. You know, once in a while you need it, but you need to have a stopwatch with you. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I'm going to whine now. (laughs) You know, you get it out of your system and then you're done and you put a lid on it because point number one, um, Nobody want to hear it, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, it is one thing if people know that you just need to get it off your chest, but you're going to get on with it, fine. Everybody's entitled to that. But if it becomes a habit and it's just like, me, 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 life, this, life, that, poor, it's like, shut up already. Either shoot yourself or get on with it, you know? It's almost a whole subsector of Facebook now. Everybody knows the woman who posts every day. Oh, I just gave up on that stupid website. I it's man, well, it's an awesome experiment, though. Anything, <laughs> shoot. Six hundred million people join in. I know what you're saying, and when you yep. put it like that, uh, and that's her opportunity. But right. you're right. Put well, a stopwatch on that baby. I, yeah, because oh. you want to do it in limited amounts. Yeah. Otherwise, because uh, ultimately it serves no purpose. You know what I mean? There's like, what's the what's the function of wine? I mean, really, when you think about it, in many ways, it's tied to religion, because it's the same thing as how. People have this, uh, if there is a good and just God and something bad and unjust is happening to me, then maybe if I scream a little louder and cry a little, the good and just God will turn my way because maybe it's just not paying enough attention. You know what I mean? Maybe if I pray hard enough and bring it to their attention, then the universe will take care of me, right? Sorry to tell you, the universe doesn't really give a fuck about you, not in a bad way or in a good way. It's just 
whatever the universe is on is not something that is interested in individual it's destiny. Don't should care about. Yeah, much, or I mean, right, or the fairness of it all. Because yeah, if you're certainly. looking for fairness, you're really in the wrong business. Yeah. Boy, howdy, you're in the wrong place. And not just because we are in Los Angeles, which may have something to do with it, but that's just fair weather. Yeah, that just life. And it's reached a moment where everyone literally can have their 15 minutes. Now, maybe amongst your 61 friends this on Facebook. Exactly why what the issue is is nobody gives a shit. And that's kind of what we're talking about. Right? I love it because it's uncharted territory. Right? There's no that's telling good where point, it's going. Though. I never thought about it like that, Daniel. That's a good one. Which one? No, just, I mean, putting a goddamn stop on Yeah, no, because I mean, you should allow yourself. Yeah, you know, I mean, everybody, it feels can, good to get it off the chest. Yeah, you can be too hard on yourself. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes you need to get it off, but at the same time, it's like quick and mm -hmm. put an end to it. Because ultimately, when you think about it, if you live. In uh, if you're not living in some village in Rwanda or some shit where still today, yeah, that is a bad deal. And granted, there are a lot of people who are living in that conditions. More likely than not, they are not the people who have access to internet who are listening to us right now. Mm -hmm. So for most everyone else, you live in a world that compared to the way the history of humanity has been, you're a lucky bastard already. It's never been any better. In some ways, think about it. I mean, you don't live at a time and place as in most human history, where the neighboring tribe from the next valley is likely to show up any minute, conquer your land, chop off your head, use your skull as a drinking vessel at their victory party while they rape your women and piss on the altar of your gods. Something you know like what that. I mean? <laughs> yeah. You, you know, it's like something like that. So, that, you, so your sons can avenge you in 20 years. Right. Life is not in jeopardy. More likely than not, that's not the scenario in which you're living day in and day out. So... Man, life is, you know, life. I was uh, I was in this whiny mood not too long ago and I was really bummed and annoyed and stuff. And I was taking a shower and as I was taking a shower, I was like, I have a goddamn miniature waterfall inside my house. That was warm. Uh, that's warm, exactly. What do I have to complain about? You know, this is as good as it gets. I love this. I, if, I, if I could be allowed the tiniest bit of whining, mm -hmm. I, think our, I think our capacity of sharing could use a lot of improvement. No, that seems to be oh, the problem. Don't get me wrong. There are like seven million things that could oh, be on no, the use I'm of with improvement. You. I'm with you. I love that Slippery very statement that, that this is the greatest it's been, but there's still 10,000 things wrong with it. And there's no question about that. But golden rule and sharing. If we could just introduce that into society. That empathy. I you remember when we, had, when we had Chris on, I had mentioned very briefly combining old folks homes mm -hmm. with daycare centers right that's and he was like that's idea. a great idea yeah well i bothered to actually get a good look go there's for it already hundreds of them going yeah. on yeah. and they work like a charm yeah there's one in van nuys that's taking hours of human life yeah that was just gonna you know they're gonna sit there and watch oprah for the rest of their days that is really being used in a great way right that gives me hope. Yeah. Well, now and by the way, who could reach up with this project? He's into it now for over two weeks, so that means it's <laughs> real. It's not just some random rant of the moment. So no, no, it's way more than that. It's been like years. I've kind of told I can't wait to go visit. I'm going to pop by for a visit. But that's <laughs> what it's all about, folks. Help each other out. If you find the person that's got to whine and complain about it. Now, if they're just naturally that kind of person, stay far away. But if it's somebody that's just in a bit of a rut, sure, pick them up a little bit. Because Absolutely. you're exactly right. The fact that the damn lights come on and these magic phones work and that I can talk to you from Los Angeles to anywhere in the world yep. through this magic computer machine, hmm. that's awesome. And this, by the way, 
part of it is we're psyching ourselves out. We are hypnotizing yourself with this in a good way, like emphasizing, look how lucky you are. The reality is, yes, there are many things that we have today that are amazing. There's a ton of stuff that's probably a total shit in your life while you have every reason in the universe to be depressed and feel weird about it. The point is not cheer up, life is good. Yes, somewhat there is that. But at the same time, sometimes life is not good. And the point is cheer up anyway, not for any other reason other because it's more functional. Mm. You know, the other route, you just whip yourself forever. And you may be right, you may have every reason in the universe to feel that way, but it's not gonna solve your problems. And so at the end of the day, in a way, it keeps you in this state of perpetual infancy where you are waiting for, it's kind of like when you're a kid and if you cry hard enough, hmm. your parents will pay attention and they will fix whatever it is that you're bug with. It's more likely I would fall asleep. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> but, you know, the universe doesn't work that way. Nope. And in rich case, neither do your parents, I guess. No. But the point being, you know, is uh, it doesn't help you. You know, in some weird odd way, there's this sense that, look, I'm suffering. My life is hard right now. So if I scream it loud enough, something, the universe, God, the great parents of us all, Santa, something will step in and right this wrong. Yeah, that's not the way it works. So you're, the only thing you're doing by whining and complaining is that you're perpetuating, staying into that place of suffering, in, not only externally, which you may not have control on, you know, the causes of your suffering may not be within your control externally, but you're giving it space internally and allowing it to stay inside of you and work you from the inside and make you feel even worse than the actual condition. Um, on that note, on one of my moments of uh, where I actually felt Okay, maybe this may be the way to go. This was an objectively annoying situation. Like for the longest time, my track didn't, I don't know what the hell was wrong with it. Nobody could figure it out, but it would overheat mm-hmm. if you look at it hard enough. <laughs> so it got so bad, nobody could figure out how to fix it. It got so bad that in order to run it without burning up everything, I would have to blast the heater the entire time, oh. which in winter is not the end of the world. In summer, <laughs> When you're pumping your heater on at maximum level, I did a trip from San Francisco to LA in August. With the heat blowing. In like 95, 100 weather, (laughs) blowing the heater full on. And so I'm driving and I'm like, yeah, this kind of sucks here. I'm not too happy in this place. And I was whining in my head and what the fuck, why do I stuck with this shitty card and it's got a blah, 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 blah. And then I kind of switched perspective at the end and I was like, you know what? I have my own miniature sweat lodge that it's portable and I get to carry it around. So as I was sweating like a pig with all the windows down, driving with the heater blasting, (laughs) I started singing sweat lodge songs and decided I'm having a ritual as I'm driving, you know, at least let's make. Now, in some cases, it's a lot easier than others. Not everything can be spun in a good way, you know what I mean? There are things that just... Hard times are a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that's anything what we're trying to say at all. No. But this is... Keep it quiet. If it, you know, there are times when you need to reach out. You need help from people, and that's for sure. Absolutely, it's the constant whiners. It's just whining about the, the ridiculous things. You know, that's where the madness ensues. No, real hard times suck. Absolutely, there's a difference though between experiencing real hard time yeah. and starting to feel inside like you're the victim of something. Because once you start seeing yourself as a victim, you're really screwed. Not because maybe maybe you are but a victim. It's you know everybody else's I mean? fault, and it's out of your hands. And right. everybody just went so damn mean to me. 
And that's why I love, like, there are those guys, um, Mohammed Ali, for example, oh. who they say right now, he felt he's in the shittiest place ever, all of this stuff. Mohammed Ali, there's not that, I forgot how long ago, but it was when he was already sick, he already had Parkinson, everything, you know, you look at his case, it's very tragic, it's sad, it's all of that. And when he could still kind of speak, make himself understood and stuff, one of the things he said that I thought was as good as it gets, he said, never feel sorry for me. I'm great. Mm. You know, that spirit, that fire, that in some ways he's a victim from external circumstances, but fucking refuses to live up to that. Because once you do that, then it conquered you inside, not just outside. Yeah. And the whole uh, don't don't never feel sorry for me. I'm great by a guy in his situation. That's you know, mm. Bruce Lee had another one along those lines. When somebody was asking me, I forget what it was the story, but something doesn't that bother you? And Bruce Lee's answer was like, if I let that bother me, I wouldn't be Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, you're the man. You know, that's how you do stuff. That's how. I saw just a couple of days ago where, and I don't know how old the story was, but Muhammad Ali would never refuse a child an autograph because mm-hmm. apparently Sugar Ray Robinson, Robbins, Robinson, Robinson had denied him an autograph when he was a kid. Yeah, and he had always remembered that yeah. one up yeah. and yeah. yeah. Well, well, you know, one that's, that's still kind of one up. <laughs> yeah, he, oh, what a guy. Yeah. No, seriously, yeah, Ali is a god. That was a great one to have in the seventies. He was just at the right moment because mm-hmm. he was proud and didn't give a shit and. Oh, standing up against the war. Oh, changing his name. Oh, no, no. The guy was as kick-ass as he gets in so many ways. We haven't had anything like that in a while. Funny, funny. Like, you know. He he did Candid Camera in like 1977 Ah. where they'd get some kids to say, could you beat up uh, Muhammad Ali? Yeah, I could beat him up. And the guy dressed as a janitor would pull off his, it's Muhammad Ali. (laughs) And the kids would be like, "Uh oh. Right. No, I know. It's <laughs> I just don't see Floyd Mayweather doing that. No, but Ali, you know, was one of those guys when you see him, like everybody talk about his trash talk, which of course he did a ton of. Golden. But it's funny how so many people can trash talk and they are clearly assholes and it comes through when they trash talk. Yeah. And Ali is talking trash and is endearing. You know what I mean? It's almost to use a word that you wouldn't normally apply in a fighting contest, it's cute, it's sweet. You know, there's something lovable about it. And yet he's as badass as he gets. And there's, and he's talking, it's, I don't know, it's a weird game that the dude could pull Here's off. Here's something else, Muhammad Ali, wow. Yeah. Thanks, Muhammad Ali. Hats off to you. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Now, on a random note, just for the hell of it, since you're talking trash about Facebook, instead I'll throw <laughs> something in there that no, was... How much uh, you love it that yeah, I dig Facebook actually I like oh, it oh really I, that's I think yeah. it's generational man I still hate it and um, the millennials don't dig it I'll read you guys something that I put on Facebook then I put it on the daniellebolelli.com thing that is mildly related to what we're saying not totally related but kind of um, so let me read you guys something in the beginning was fear the fear that everything that has a body experiences once it realizes we live in a predatory universe, a universe in which absolutely everything gets to be eaten, if not by the sharp fangs of a predator, then by time itself. And fear became our god, and he began to rule over our lives, shrink our willingness to dare, and rob us of the beauty of it all. Fear is written in the deepest layer of our DNA. You can't run away from it, you can't escape it. It's so pervasive that plenty of people try to exorcise the demon. 
religions, philosophy, advertisements, motivational speakers. They all tell you that if you make the jump and follow their cure, you'll no longer have anything to fear. They tell you that there are no monsters hiding under your bed. They promise you safety from everything you fear. They promise you a sense of empowerment. They promise you victory against all odds. And the reality is that they are trying to sell you something. You know, the monster is indeed under your bed after all. The reality is that you have every good reason to be afraid because everything you fear is on your tracks right now and will eventually catch up to you, destroy everything you loved and everything you are. So welcome to the world, motherfuckers. So why are, shouldn't we be afraid? I mean, if this is how it is, what, why shouldn't we be afraid? Wouldn't it be more appropriate, scared shitless and rightfully so? The point is being scared doesn't help you. You know, reality is uglier and harsher than anything we like to admit to ourselves, and yet it's pointless to be scared since your fear is not going to protect you. Fear is only useful if it alerts you of a danger you can avoid, but if there's no possible way to avoid it, if it's inevitable that it will crash you no matter how hard you fight, then what's the point of being afraid? You know, if you have no hope of survival, what's left, what's left to be afraid of? The only thing you'll succeed in doing is in spoiling this very second when the forces that will destroy you haven't stepped on the stage yet. Yes, you will not get out of here alive, but so what? All the more reason to celebrate right here and right now. Let's pop the champagne before all hell breaks loose, squeeze every last ounce of orgasmic ecstasy from the present moment, and when the monster finally clamps, up, clamps out from under your bed, at least you'll have a good reason to smile before he devours you. You're already dead. Let's have a party in the meantime. Now, this thing, I had the wonderful timing of sending it to Duncan Trussell right after he was diagnosed with cancer, and I didn't know that. So I was like, ah, fuck. Duncan being a god, he responded the best. He was like, are you kidding me? That was the best message I could mm -hmm. have. I was like, okay, I ducked. <laughs> <laughs> well, he takes it better than most uh, people are capable of, I think. It really yeah. has been impressive. Yeah, yeah, seriously. But it's definitely the right attitude. I love that. No one here gets out alive, for sure. Mm -hmm. Right. So you might as well enjoy it. Because people... Sit around worrying about it. Right. It's madness. But it sure sells a lot of diet pills, and it sure sells a lot of beauty magazines, and it sure a lot sells of, a lot uh, of plastic surgery. Yep. Religions. What's it with crazy women in L.A. trying 70 years old to get the cat look on their face from the insane plastic <laughs> surgery? Oh. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm only about. against it if it doesn't work. It doesn't work, <laughs> No, I know. In fact, yeah. I'm a wine, a special Los Angeles wine that, give it up, get old. The wrinkles are okay. They're way better than I these mean, insane, alien, stretched face. Like that woman in Brazil. You remember Brazil, the Terry Gilliam movie? The stretched face. Right. That's what they look like. Right. What, can they, what do they look at one square inch of this? <laughs> oh, it's so smooth. But the rest of it looks like a fucking mutant, man. And they're everywhere. And they're freaky. If you want to see the worst one I think I've ever seen, uh, Buzz Aldrin's wife just got kicked to the curb. Probably because she looks like a fucking alien right. with her giant lips and her fur's all sprouted. But Aldrin had a Yeah, that's some back. scary stuff. I've had enough that's of that. Real. Who yeah. wants some plastic surgery? I'm sorry. Where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> Rich, uh, it's Wednesday. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. <laughs> it must have been some of that drunken Taoist blend. That's right. Well, if we ever got to sample it, that would be a good thing. Rich. I can't. I can't condone something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not let Rich run into any of these women. 
No, that would be scary. Well, you know, I'm polite, man. I'm not just going to freak out in front of her. But once I get behind her at a distant decent, I'll be like, ah! Don't ah, ah, fire, ah. man. Well, you know, oh, I don't know. I'm it worked up a, about all is, that kinds of things. It is starting. I wonder if they know. You know, I, mean, I don't I wonder if they, they just, do. It's, like a, it's, it's a cry like for a help, man. Or right. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Friends. You heard? <laughs> That's rants. Cool. A wild blend of them. Good. And watch out for the asteroid if it's not already Valentine's Day, because it's going to fly past, pop some fucker in the head. Now, this is a good moment. But Evan, what, whatever are you enjoying there? I just busted open this 81% uh, raw cacao dark chocolate. From our friends at Coracal. Healthy chocolate, if, if I have anything it, to know about that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, <laughs> and I broke into it for the first time. And there's some sort of nutty inner ins- in- internal to it. Or maybe it's just a different kind of chocolate. I don't know. Either way, this is a fucking amazing. Fucking amazing. And now, if I recall from an earlier podcast, Mr. Bellelli just went, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> kind of crazy that's kind of high now i've cut the sugar but i will let you boys know that sunday is official sugar cheat day but i will also let you know that now that we're two months into this you don't want a fucking mountain dew anymore once you haven't had one for no but months. that's because you're going for crap you know that's the kind of stuff that you want to get rid of also, absolutely and that's all gone and, but, and and i'm happy so i cannot wait yeah but the good stuff oh, oh, the best stuff and i do lie to myself yeah. sometimes like i've got my granola cereal it's brown sugar right <laughs> Breakfast. Yeah, no, these guys are awesome. Um, Coracao is a um, Brazilian word, Portuguese word, I guess. And um, because it's fucking unpronounceable, and if I say it like this, nobody has an idea where to go online. People then don't go check the episode notes, blah, 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 blah. They created instead another website called feelgreatchocolate.com. Simple enough to remember that automatically redirects you to Coracao, to their thing. Excellent. So that's an easy way to remember. But yeah, their stuff is good 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 they depending on when we release this episode you guys may right be right before valentine days if you guys are still into this thing or right after and you have to make up for shit that you forgot this will do it or something but yeah this is your um your way to make up for it big time because and who cares about valentine's days the point is is damn good chocolate chocolate and, i think uh, it's almond butter in the <laughs> and you know oh you, my God. speaking of chocolate you know i had uh, because I was actually talking about this stuff, about yeah. this chocolate that they sent to us that was so damn good, I was talking with some people, and at least three people this week told me that they don't like chocolate. And I was like... Three you know actual what? humans? Three I actual usually, humans. I usually put myself in that category. I shouldn't say... Well, I, I try... I say it, and then I take it back. Well, where's well, that chocolate bar at? It's got, no. right here. <laughs> I'm, I don't need a bit. No, anyway, it's so getting not close. a chocolate fan. No, but I, 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 use, I mean to say that my, my teeth are... So uh, they're sensitive, and so I don't necessarily like to have sweets in my mouth because it doesn't feel so great. But this is uh, turn off his microphone. We're we're done with. This. He doesn't like chocolate. What the fuck? I, you know? I think it's well, a sensitivity well, issue. He's but, enjoying the hell out of this. Okay, well, in so that case, we can turn his microphone. Just writing for on. the right yes. chocolate. I think of what it was. Okay. No, because he's like to me. That's amazing. You can, uh, you know, he's like you like to have sex with lesbian midget. I can, <laughs> you know, I don't judge. You know, whatever. It's like you. Everybody has their preference. But you tell me that you don't like chocolate. I mean, what kind of a freak are you? That chocolate is not about food. It's religion. You know, it's experiencing God through your mouth and stomach. 
come on, man. Mm. I don't know. But in any case, that's, that's chocolate. That's pretty amazing, though. Yeah, that to me I is... I know you can find three people that didn't like licorice or cilantro. Yeah, or that's those. fine. That's <laughs> fine. Oh, those are, those, are, those are yes or no's. You won't meet somebody like, I kind of like cilantro. Right. It's either I love it or get the shit away from me. Right. Licorice is another one. No, but and other chocolate, stuff... Not in that yeah, range. Exactly. Other stuff, I have no problem. You know, everybody has their quirks, of things course. you like, things you don't, but... No, chocolate is religion. We don't touch that. You know, that's just not. So if you want to get, uh, you know, if you order a box of chocolate, I guess is your way of going to church. So let's just do that. That and and it it doesn't hurt to support the sponsors because they are pretty great fellas. They're so great. In fact, I believe there's a contest brewing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you guys want the chocolate, but you are dirt cheap, poor or something, or you're just cheap, and you don't want to spend money, you want to give it a try, they are going to have this contest where you guys email us a reason why you should get the free chocolate box that they're going to give out. And, uh, you know, make it up, make it fun, make it whatever. Um, Bottom line is, if it becomes, if the competition is too tough, where it's like there are a bunch of entries that are insanely good, we'll just close our eyes and pick a random one there because I feel bad saying, yes, this one is cool. No, you suck. You don't deserve a free chocolate. I'm, I'm not going to be the guy who does tell people you don't deserve a free chocolate. Well, I don't know, man. You, you, you know my opinion on everybody gets a trophy, goddammit. Right. So it's got to be some disappointment. Yeah, but at the same time, so bottom line <laughs> is it's a cruel world. There's only one box. So, and no whining. Yeah, none whatsoever. You'll be shot if you try. So bottom line, yeah, send us a reason why you should get it. And uh, fingers crossed. So if you want to take your shot at winning the box of delicious chocolate goodies, go to the Drunken Taos website, click the contact page, and then fill out your entry there. You might want to put chocolate or even oral pleasures in the company line there. To keep the number of entries under control, as well as reward our dedicated listeners who download the new episodes as they are released, and you know who you are. We're going to stop taking entries at the end of the day on February 24th. Yeah, so... Can't wait to hear what everybody has to say. Good luck. And if you want to go ahead and get some scoop-ups of that chocolate right now, go to feelgreatchocolate.com, and that'll take you right to their website. So good luck, everybody. On that note, by the way, they have uh, a banner on our website that's... um It's kind of funny. The banner that they put on our site, It's there's this big writing that say, how to make your woman happy. Are they the ones? <laughs> and the answer is the way they put it, chocolate. But here is the problem with that banner. On the (laughs) banner, they also wrote that they need to type the word Daniele as a code to get a discount on the order. So if you guys are ordering from them, make sure you type Daniele when you check out and you'll get a discount from them. Sweet. Problem is that they put the code Daniele right next to how to make your woman happy. So while that Mm. may be true, Mm. that indeed the answer to make your lady is particularly happy would be to have Daniele sent in a box. Ah. This is not a prostitution ad. <laughs> I may consider that in the future, but we're not there yet. So, yeah, no. Uh, the answer is chocolate. Daniele is just the code, just to clarify things. Don't want to get anybody's hopes up. Right. <laughs> not a hint or anything. Yeah. Just, yeah. just clarifying. Well, from chocolate... It's time to dig deep into the digital mailbag, Mm -hmm. which will no longer be delivering on Saturday starting in August. Really? They're just going to do five days a week? They're going to go to five days a week. Wow. Let's... What's up with that? Well, you got to think about it. You know, I mean, 
How many, when's the last time you mailed a bill? Yeah, no, I know. That's yeah, that, was, that was a less. pretty good gig, man. Yeah. That that every household was buying forty seven stamps and yeah. marching out there times one hundred and seventy million households. Changing the Woo-hoo! game. But the digital mailbag is actually the Ask Bolelli. Let me start with one that's not an Ask Bolelli's Ask As is. Oh. So you guys tell me. Um, Paul asks us podcast. What do we listen to? Why? So I guess for you guys, please do tell. What are the f- your favorite podcasts? Why you pick those versus something else? I listen to Larry Miller every week, and so happy he's back on the air. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Um, I usually listen to my Rachel Maddow News Hour. She sort of every day so that's mm-hmm. the traffic going home uh rogan duncan joy diaz so that whole kind of trifecta i definitely listen to mm-hmm. and then you know sort of just oh and uh neil degrasse tyson of course mm-hmm. for my for my inner uh your space secret nerd. gay love right yeah. mm. so that that's pretty much it you know and i do try to listen to a new one once in a while i've bumped into a couple that are kind of fun i don't know if you ever listened to there's one called how did that get made Mm-hmm. And they just like Superman three is the first one I picked, and so that's what I love about things that have lots of episodes. Where you can kind of go in and find a right. guest yeah. you want. The uh, stuff you should know is another one like that. I like exactly, those. it's just like fun stuff. to listen to. I no, mean, what are they the, the fuck? Ones with the TV show now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I listened to it. It's been the one that you can kind of pop around in, but uh, it was. I've listened. I went on and off for like two or three years. And, Aren't those and, guys? And Mark Marin and and. Um, and uh, Adam Carolla is where it all started. Right. When right, Carolla right. came off from from Stern's show and started that stuff, I've been listening yeah. to that since the very beginning. So right. I was always yeah. impressed with it. And it's very much why this is happening, just right. because I've been following that from the beginning. And like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I listened to a lot of the same ones that Rich said, but there's a couple. Um, Red List Radio. You were just I, I've come to that. like, yeah, Red List Radio. This guy's pretty cool. Um, there's a new I, I have a couple of friends that just started this uh, podcast called Flow with the Go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty cool. They talk about all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, current events and different thought kind of provoking uh, articles and stuff. But then. Um, Shoot, uh, lifestyle business podcast. If you guys are into like entrepreneurialism, maybe it's not your thing. I don't know. It's pretty cool. But then I, I, I'm a nerd, so I listen to the Change Log. So the guys from uh, GitHub, a dude from GitHub, and so there's other nerd things. That, there's a I bunch. Don't even know there's, what that is. there's a Stack yeah, Exchange no, podcast that I listen to. It's pretty cool. Oh. But yeah, they're crying these days. <laughs> now that's part of why I delegate this question to you guys because my answer is sort of on the. I mean, other than Rogan, Trust, Duncan Trussell, of course. I don't know. I mean, the, part of the problem is when I'm home, I don't have the freaking time to do it. You got a baby, too. When I, yeah, precisely, for yeah, that reason. There's nothing to change. And when that. I'm driving, which is the normal time to listen to a podcast, yeah. one of the problems I have is that my best freaking creative ideas come to me when I'm driving mm-hmm. because I'm bored out of my mind and my I have nothing else to do other than being in that car. So my mind starts spinning. And as I'm going, I have to fly man, I need to remember that one because I have this image for a novel mm-hmm. or I have this thing for another. Like So sometimes I don't want to listen to stuff because it's, it's the creative time. Now, you windshield know I mean? time is magical stuff. There's no question about so it. So there's that. But <laughs> I've started to do it a little more. So I added on some nerdy historical thing like tried a couple of episodes of Dan Carlin's Hardcore History and that is good. There are a couple of like really weird very nerdy historical things that I don't even remember the title of the podcast but they're, you know, things I'm into for the time period or the whatever and I just like to hear about it and stuff. So, 
that has been mined. So you guys have a much more extensive repertoire. I got a lot um, longer drive. And, um, <laughs> no, and the thing is, I know that I suck at this because I know that there's so much good stuff out there that I'm missing out on right now. I just, there are 24 hours in a day and that's yeah, just where it's at. Yeah, my girlfriend listens to way more podcasts than I do and she's constantly, but it, the way that I look at it is it, it gets to the point where you, you feel like you're, yeah, you feel like you're missing out, and so you just want to sneak. It. I've heard of people that listen to podcasts in like double speed, and I've seen that to too. I didn't even know that was available. Now. Yeah, I think iTunes new version. You can double speed the podcast. We got to get the fucking thing done. <laughs> just to you get know, through. It's it. crazy. Yeah. That's fun. Or you can slow it down too. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> I didn't even know that was available. I saw that recently. Um, but what's best is they're they're there for good. You know, do we get like all the like? chipmunk voices if they speed it up where it doesn't have it that fast i mean but it literally makes it double speed so it's really kind of moving along like like a disclaimer at the end of a commercial you know otherwise so that people can listen to two of them in an hour otherwise i'm thrilled i would love to hear what italian chipmunks sound like so that would be fun you know we can do that if you like let's slide that in play with that but (laughs) the the only thing that's kind of disturbing about it because you know on the train and in the car make perfect times for it right but is it me or is, does everybody have even old people have a fucking pair of ear pods going? Really? No, I don't. Twenty four seven now. It just seems to be everywhere you look. Really? I, I'm afraid as we expand out into our individual little spaces, uh, the local connections are starting to break up. You know what? The local connections sucked anyway before, so might as well. Most people fucking waste of time to talk. Sorry, I'm in a cranky mode. <laughs> but you know what? So it's like to me, the whole thing is like technology is taking away your ability to relate. I didn't want to relate to you anyway, dickhead. You suck as a human being. You yeah. have nothing to say. At least I can talk to somebody in Australia on Facebook that has a good joke at least for today. And it's true. I'm good with that. But adding to the long list of questions we got today. So one more that's fitting with um, rich current obsession for Uh-oh. meteorites hitting us or end of the universe in some way February 15th yeah Brett asked as if um, about a bunch of different cultures have this idea of the apocalypse everyone in the universe from religion to secular approaches everyone is constantly expecting the end of the world in one way or another so his point is like is this a coincidence is it a true prediction is and there are a couple of things to that one everything that ever begins come to an end so of course the world eventually is gonna go down in flames at some point it's just everybody think it's gonna happen in their lifetime but you know eventually somebody will be right someone's gonna get the ticket right one day yeah but so there's that which is not saying much but as far as why the whole thing is so popular and why people are fascinated with this stuff i think the more people like to hype the whole apocalypse catastrophe idea the more is a sign of how dissatisfied you are with your current surroundings. And mm. it just, there's this, rev- I mean, all, like the apocalypse in the Bible, for example, all the stuff in the book of Revelation is like this revenge fantasy. It's people who've gotten kicked around by the Roman Empire who can't wait to have mm-hmm. them drown in rivers of right. blood and the sun will turn to, it's basically it's like my life sucks so I want the whole fucking world to go down in flames because if I'm suffering right now, I'd rather the whole thing go down and be recreated and we'll have a beautiful world after that or whatever. It'll all be better when I'm running things. Right, exactly. And so there's, which is totally true, by the way, if it's in my case, but, you know. the or, um, my right. case. Yeah, we're <laughs> done with that, but. So. I'm not making any promises. <laughs> <laughs> 
but the the thing is, so to me, the whole fascination with the apocalypse is uh, just a kind of a sign of a really poor relationship with reality, where you are so damn unhappy with your surroundings that you just get off fantasizing about the end of it all and uh, yeah, not a good the more you find yourself into it the more it's time to check your priorities and see where you're at because something is off and it's endlessly available too yeah there's absolutely. only every four years there's a really good one you know yeah. god you remember y2k good lord i got really prepared i think we bought an extra can of tuna to hmm. be you know ready for the, the well, 2012 was just a nutty one yeah but i mean that's what i mean is like somebody will be right and when people are trying to convince you of like look this is real because it's like i don't give a fuck maybe it is real I it'll still never don't be care. anything anybody sees coming if, if i've learned anything one that right hook you're never gonna see it that's totally true and yeah. two on that note is even if you do but you can't do anything about no, it. No, you're going to be too busy coughing your lungs out, dying of the plague. Who you know, cares? Burying, you, you know, it's like... You're going to be in it. <laughs> and again, the point is, you're going to die anyway. If it's not in some big apocalyptic event, it's because a brick falls on your head, whatever that is. But the bottom line is, relax. You're already dead, as we were saying. So Enjoy your 720,000 hours. Yep. Oh, this one is a quick one. This is just... A super quick answer. Somebody asked me about the body, as in B-O-D-H-I, that's in my email and stuff. It's like where the hell it comes from. A couple of different things. One, the movie Point Break, they have uh, Patrick Swayze played this Zen bank robber, and his nickname, surfing guy, by the way, his his nickname was Body, and I thought that was funny. The whole Zen bank robbing thing, I was, well, we'll keep quiet about that, but yes, I (laughs) like that concept. There's uh, so that's part of it. Uh, body, the whole thing of where even in Point Break they got the term is that body is the term that's used for enlightenment in uh, Buddhism. It's like the body tree is the tree of enlightenment under which Buddha meditated until achieving enlightenment. The whole concept of bodhisattva is very much the kind of stuff that you reach are into as far as the um, sharing, helping one another and all of it. Because the whole idea of the bodhisattva... This whole deal that he came as a person of of, of privilege and realized, how can I... It seems all very basic and easy, though. And in the case of... that is the core uh, of it, isn't it, really? The very idea of the bodhisattva is somebody who is uh, achieve enlightenment, however you want to define that. And uh, according to Buddhist teachings, the idea is that once you are fully enlightened, you have the option not to be reincarnated. And you kind of merge with the universe, you become one with it all, forget about the problems of daily life. Or you have the option to willingly be reincarnated when you don't have to, because the whole Bodhisattva idea is that the... um, the bodhisattva vow is that you are going to keep coming back until, as they put it, the last blade of grass is enlightened. So it's just because I got mine doesn't mean I'm out of the game. Uh, and so there's the whole idea of just essentially wanting to help other people achieve the exact same thing, which is liberation from suffering. I thought that's an awesome, you know, um, that's one of the Buddhist things that I dig the most. I love the concept. It's definitely and, the one that uh, turned me on the most. Yeah. So Because it really, you, you kind of can imagine that day, you know. It's funny just going back to the, the everybody, oh, whose favorite apocalypse story? Why didn't anybody write a nice story when it all went right? All right, all right. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, well, that always ends up being, well, that's your crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not very interesting. Gets old real fast, you know. I guess it could, but I'd be fine with it getting old. And, and then everybody got up and, and had a nice meal and hung out together before they headed off and did a bunch of things they liked yeah. for Contact. the day. Yeah. Four-day work weeks. 
or something. Eight weeks off. Go to interact. What if you could just take all the cool places and share them, you right. know? Why does one person get the best apartment in Park Avenue? Right. It seems to me that once every seven years, you get your two weeks in New York, and you can pick from these amazing places, you know, that everybody gets to experience it. Because as soon as we start sharing more experiences, which, once again, is my love for Los Angeles, man. <laughs> everybody's here. Everybody's present. It ain't working perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Cue the sirens. But um, <laughs> My Zambank Robin reference is attracting attention, I'm afraid. Ooh. Yes. It's working, man. Yeah. And that's a miracle. We got mosques right next to synagogues, right. you know, and come on out, y'all. Because the the level of crazy that has to be fixed mm-hmm. is insurmountable. Right. It is generational. The people that are set in their ways, especially my redneck relatives, they ain't changing. That actually is, you're on a telepathy mode right now because that's exactly the next questions that we're getting Hit asked. Me. I can tell you all about redneck relatives. <laughs> no, it's actually not about redneck relatives, <laughs> but it's about... Joe is asking us about beside, you know, if from the email he sent sound very, you know, cool, idealistic approach to life, you know, wanting to bring passion, love to other people, wanting to improve stuff, want, you know, kind of like the whole want to change the world, make the world a better place type of approach, which is always a good place to start from. One of the things he says, though, is like beside leading by example and doing what you're doing, you know, all of that kind of stuff in your own life and how do you go about beginning to sort of literally change the world? And more specifically, and that's where it applies to what you were saying, how do you convert the 7 million short-sighted hustles you're going to run into into a good human being who can do that? Because one of the things that you were saying, Rich, about having a more relaxed, sharing approach where there's not... It's the best ideal for an enlightened humanity yes. doesn't work when you have some asshole who take advantage of a system and, and then too spoil many it for everybody. Well, that's why anytime I discuss our humanity as a whole, it's always with my friend the bell curve. Right. Because it's the surest plot of where the trouble's going to lie. And usually it's on those fringy little edges. Right. Because you're right. Um, I think welfare is an awesome thing for mm-hmm. a country. The fact that nobody's going to starve and nobody's going to, you know... Yep. The idea that the elderly wouldn't have to struggle, not by, of course, as with everything, no means perfect, but it is a pretty incredible set of programs. But they're damn right. The people that complain that there are those that just take and of take course. and take. Yeah, of course. I think it's, I, I think it's on the equivalent with First Amendment. Right. That I got to listen to the Westboro Baptist Church. Right. Because we got to let it all. Right, right, right. And it's the same thing with, uh, it's the same thing with welfare. Right. That you are going to have people that are going to take. Of course. Mm-hmm. It's like my, my daughter took it down to a homeless person the other day. Right. It's like, if I give that person $3 and they go buy whiskey with it, I said, look, it's not your problem at that point. You did what you thought was the right thing to help out. Yep. And if, first of all, if that $3 lets that person go get drunk tonight and they're happier because of it, then you probably have done a good thing. Right. He's not going to steal it from anybody. And if that's what's making this person happy right now, you're not going to fix them tonight. You're no. going to take them to rehab? No. This person And that's where, you know, away. otherwise Nazism begins is where you think you know what's best for them and you want to impose exactly. your... It's like it's the worst thing. You give people a little degree of power and then the big trick is letting go and letting them free yeah. to see what they do with it. In many cases... And the cheaters gonna, are going to show up. Of course, it's going to frustrate the hell out of you because you're like, why did I give this asshole power? Would then abuse it in this horrendous fashion? Yeah. 
So, I mean, part of the whole thing is, yeah, you're not going to change people in that sense. You know, you're not going to be able to, um, unless you go for some strange Nazi eugenics thing where you start manually selecting the population. There's a bit of a problem with that. You know, you're a freaking Nazi at that point. Is people I, being against that. I can sympathize with the wanting to change thing, but that's probably not the way to go about it. So having said that, the thing is, you're not going to change people for turn them into some amazing enlightened person because you want to, because you're sweet, because you have good intentions. The thing is that ultimately the only thing you can do is your own life, the people you touch in your immediate circle without attachment to results. I mean, the paradox of changing the world is that you can think about it, you just do it. You know what I mean? Because if you think about it, it's like, but, but it's not working now. And I did this thing and the response wasn't the right one. And that's not leading me to the path of mm -hmm. you do what you got to do in the sense that you do what you feel and you think and you in your heart feel that is the right thing. And as long as you're not, you know, crossing boundaries, stepping on other people's choices, probably is a good thing. Unless those people are lobbyists or congressmen. Right. Then exactly. just stomp away. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> and in that, no, and you're, yeah, there's plenty of people I like to stomp in that regard. But point, right, point being in that sense is like the only thing you have control is your immediate surrounding. And that already is stretching it a bit because sometimes you don't even have control over that. But no. that's the one place where you can um, – was that Elmo? What was that? That was, the, that was my sad part inside of me, crying out. Oh, I see. Because, you know, I can't keep the four people at my house in line. What hope do I have for the world? Right. I'll never forget. My dad was a Fulberg colonel in the military. He'd come home and couldn't control the three of us. He's like, I have 5,200 men under my right. command, and you three are making me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll relate that to the change in the world thing. Edward, question about... Um, what to do to motivate yourself on a daily basis to kind of turn on the fire and be ready to go whether it is about projects and stuff that needs to be done and you just lack the motivation to get your acting gear whether it is about whatever you know motivation is about everything right it's kind of that willpower that's at the root of anything else you're gonna do and um to me, is a lot of it is self-hypnosis, which people use it as a bad thing. It's like, oh, it's not real. They are making shit up. Well, make shit up because that's how you change reality in some way. Like to me, take an ex like I was thinking about it today and I was going back in time to when I was a student and, um, you know, you have the shitty paper that you have to write for next week and you don't give a crap about the topic. The professor is an ass anyway. It's the biggest weight of your time and energy. You feel like, what's the point? Problem is, you can whine for three days about, uh, oh, it's bad, I shouldn't have to do it, I'd rather go to that party, or my talent would be better used doing that. It's like, <laughs> yes, that's great. <laughs> you still have to write it for tomorrow, shut up and do it already. But the point of that being is, rather than, like, in terms of motivation, how to turn something that could be a punishment, turn it into an opportunity in that regard. Mm -hmm. To me, I would psych myself where I would go to bed the day before that I'm supposed to write it, and I would start thinking... Uh, Tomorrow when I get to write, I'm not some sad student who has been tortured by this actual teacher. I'm a samurai going into battle. I'm gonna get I give myself eight hours to do it and I'll die before I miss that deadline. You know what I mean? It's like there's this um in some American Indian culture there was this um, warrior figure of the sash bearer. They would bear into battle these like long sashes that they would tie to a stick 
tied to themselves and they would plant the stick into the ground. And the idea being, you are not going to leave the battlefield unless you have killed all your enemies or a friend come to rescue you cutting the sash. But once you put the stick on the ground, they are making that commitment of you're there for good. You may survive, but you're not exactly counting on it. That to me is the mindset in which I have to switch myself every so often when I don't want to do things to get stuff done. Then the stuff is not anymore just some random task. It you it becomes alchemy. You know, you change it, you shift it into it's a test of the will. It's not about the stupid paper, it's not about whatever the fuck that you're supposed to do. It's about this is about self-perfection this moment. This is how you use it to it's like muscle for your willpower you know what i mean it's like you're lifting weights for your willpower by doing this thing within a certain time the way it's supposed to be done without whining now go so that makes all the difference because otherwise again you're a victim of life you have to do this shit you don't want to do this way becomes an opportunity where you use it as a tool of oh yeah you give me this let me show you what i can do with it so that's my thing and in that regard i guess i don't know if you guys ever do that like for lack of a better term hero modeling you know when you pick somebody can be a real person can be an imaginary character sort of the what would jesus do type of approach but basically you're picking somebody you admire and you try to picture them in that situation and that give you motivation to copy that essentially to live as you imagine them to be now whether that's real or not that's totally secondary is to give you an image of how you want to be and then you roll with it, you know. So that's my thing. I don't know anything you guys. Yeah, I always, I always thought about how uh, it is almost you know you're overlooking yourself, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It's always you were talking about a hero modeling, but I would always just take myself out of the equation. Like, what would I do that I would be proud of? Right. From a third, yep. third party perspective, let's yep. say. And I don't know. I mean, that's. Almost like you're telling your you're you're writing your own biography, right? And do you want it to be seen? <laughs> yeah, of, I mean know? that's and it's <clears throat> writing. You know, in yeah. that sense, is really writing this, turning your life into this grandiose novel in which the car the main character man is mm-hmm. good. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> would you want to read this? Right. Uh, yeah. Would yeah. About would. this whiny little. So I've been shit my own hero. Comp- yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. just a funny thing. I mean, you know, how do you eat a mountain? One spoonful at a time. Yep. You know? it's That's... just it, it's tough to get that, that foot forward. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, I, I don't know. I like that whole. I haven't th- thought about that. Uh, the whole motivation thing. I mean, I, I, when you first said uh, almost hypnotism, hypnotism. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I feel like I live in that sort of mode where I'm constantly going, 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 and then when you slow down, you're kind of then you might have to bring yourself back up into some sort of. But then it's almost like days over or whatever. But right. But when you put it in the perspective of, well, no, you, this is your only option. And then you, it's like, you know, you time box it and yep. you say, face it right now. Because a lot of the times it wouldn't be like, I, I wouldn't make excuses in the back of my mind as much as I just, it wasn't, it was, the, there was something easier to do. Totally. You know? And that's and I mean, really what for it is for me is prioritizing. And for many people, exactly, if you don't mm-hmm. have deadlines, mm-hmm. you never get exactly. shit done because exactly. there's nothing that's gonna, nobody's gonna whack you on the head if you don't get it done. Mm-hmm. And so then you lack the motivation to yeah. make take those steps to the lead somewhere. So you need to give yourself mm-hmm. a motive. Like, it's not a real deadline, but you give yourself the 
tomorrow this is what I'm doing yeah you know and it's like I'll sooner have them chop my hand off than miss on what I'm saying right now that I'm gonna do you have to be realistic you know you can't be stupid otherwise you're gonna be walking with no hands very soon and that would <laughs> be bad so you know you need to be <laughs> yeah you need to be real about it not just make up some run tomorrow I'm gonna write a novel yeah it's not gonna happen and if yes. it does it sucks probably so yeah don't yeah. do it that way Give yourself realistic goals, but then, man, live up to them. Because once you start giving yourself goals and you good. don't live up to them, then oh, it becomes then, a habit. Yeah, then it's and a you do the and it doesn't mean anything when yeah. you make a commitment anymore. So, so that's my thing. But last, uh, last but not least, of the questions for the month. Um, man, I feel like we had enough questions. We could go on for like <laughs> three days with some well, of these because each one is a big deal. But this one, talk about a big deal and I'm going to make it super quick because I know otherwise we end up with a seven-hour episode. But <laughs> talk about a potentially big one right there. Like Victor Gonzalez asked us, um, like he was asking me, how do you explain why you don't follow any type of organized religion? Here we go. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, yeah, good luck. We can have like the next 10 hours, right? I'll make it clock me let's go with 60 seconds go um boils down to evidence i don't want to sound like csi or something but the thing to me is like all these different religions each one is claiming that they have some deep revelation from god or some crap those are the ones i have a problem with religions more on the eastern end or indigenous traditions that don't claim to own the truth I don't have a problem because it's empirical. You try stuff. It either works for you or it doesn't. But there's no claim that this is the one and only way. All the ones that do claim that there is the one and only way, which is a characteristic of organized religion, that's how you run a business. You know, there has to be a product you're selling. That's very clear in that regard. The thing that bugs me is, based on what should I believe you? You know, I'm not opposed. Sure, tell me about your story. But at the end of the day, why should I buy your thing rather than his or his? Because the evidence you're showing me, you're not showing me any. You're telling me a nice tale with no evidence. And if you're claiming that only one is right, so it's not just about which tale I'm telling you that is a cool one. Don't you think this is a good story? Yeah, that's kind of a good story. I'm going to take elements from it. No, that's not what you're telling me. You're telling me this is the truth. Well, that's sweet. How do I know? Show me. And if you can't show me, then screw yourself. You're just wasting my time. You know, that's just not. And that's kind of the point of why some of this stuff bug me. That's why when people, I'm not trying to convince anybody. Sorry, the 60 seconds have been totally blown. It's totally it's impossible. So, but I mean, yeah. The, it's, the it's, thing on that is. Been timing it. <laughs> you know, the, um, like somebody who's Christian or Jewish or Muslim is like, why do you believe this one versus the next guys? Because they also claim to have heard God's voice. They also have put the revelation in a book. They have also have their prophets and the thing and the thing. Some of them share the same books. Precisely. So why do you believe one and not the other? You know, the logical answer would be, well, because one show me this evidence to back up their claims. No, nobody show you shit. So that's where the whole idea of faith to me is like the weakest bullshit ever invented in that regard because it's a concept that's it's a cop-out you know mm -hmm. it's like if you had evidence you wouldn't need faith i don't have faith that the sun comes up in the morning it's like it fucking happens i don't need to have faith in it so to me is faith in if i want to give a positive spin to faith is having an open mind to the fact that there may be way more than we understand that's a fact I have mm -hmm. no problem with yeah. that. Yeah. So in that regard, fate, sure. Possibility that there's all this stuff out there, yes, fine. But fate as in this exact picture of how the universe works and you should believe it because 
well, because you should have faith in it. Like, fuck you. Yeah, there are seven. Don't faith, man. It's written in this book. Right. See, I mean, okay, faith is cool, but I don't think I could ever go and then tell anybody. I mean, there's certain things that I believe in. I mean, I I remember I left my wallet there, you know? Right. I I remember. I mean, I can't really. There's very little proof I have, like, besides maybe I hope. Yeah, kind of in the back of my mind, maybe. But it's that sort of thing where I can't rest on any sort of laurels or, or like I right. have no real reason it could have been anywhere. It's just a hunch almost. And, and, that's, right? and that I have no problem with. In yeah, fact, the religions right. that take but that I, approach, I have nothing against them. And if anything, I can borrow. Yeah, we were just talking about Buddhism and there's a lot about Buddhism that I dig. Mm. But I don't, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not something that I feel that's, is asking you to make a choice. You need to buy this package from A to Z. I mean, some people manage to do that even with religions that tend to be more open-minded. But generally speaking, that's not the premise behind it because it's not arguing that there's a single God revealing his will <laughs> to everyone else. And our little it, tiny sect happens to be the exact correct one. Yep. Yeah, I know. I just think, I was thinking about that, how many different fucking oh, kinds of stupid we're, little... We're, we're fifth Baptist, religious uh, scientists, converted, converts um, reverting right. of the 17. Northern Methodist of Murfreesboro. Yeah, that's the funny thing, by the way, that they don't just kill each other between different religions, oh, they no. kill each other within the same religion because the that's point... That's even more hateful. Right, because the idea is if there's only one truth, even if we share 80% of the same material, it still means that you contaminated the truth with falsehoods and you're a freaking heretic on it. You are not one of us. Well, yeah, I'll tell you, I want to be in the damn room when Jesus arrives <laughs> and they're taking him for a look around the goddamn mega church. Right. He ain't going to be cool with that. And hopefully, when we get done with those cats, we go over to the Vatican to have a word about children. <laughs> Speaking of the Vatican, well, that's going to lead us into storytelling. In oh, minute, well, thank so. goodness. Well, Here that's the end of the mailbag. Yep. And cool. uh, Thanks for your questions. They're all good. Yep. Keep them coming. Absolutely. I actually think I missed one, but we're way out of time. With we're out of control. Stuff, so. We may even have just have a separate mailbag episode midweek Seriously. just for fun. Yeah. Yep. Well, here, how about, you know. A forum where we could, you know, talk about some of this oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. If so, you guys want your <clears throat> forum, Evan is working on it. We will probably be done sometime around the time I this episode the, is released. Yeah, by the time before this episode. So, yeah. in that case, check out the site. Is it going to be through just a Drunken Taoist? Yeah, it'll be just, uh, there'll be a link uh, and it'll be just part of our regular website. And uh, cool. so, but, I mean, just, uh, we're, we're going to have a little uh, just kind of uh, forum for each episode and then kind of fill it out kind of everything else type of, type of approach. But. And a bunch of you guys have asked about it, so that's why Evan is um, ignoring his family, letting poor people starve around him because he's working to create the forum because you guys have asked. So now jump in and participate because otherwise it's going to be really bad if we end up each having five accounts and where the three of us are talking to ourselves the entire time may pretending to be a 20 year old from Iowa and uh, we get the download 57 year old from New Guinea and stuff it's like so if you guys could help us out that would be fun yeah but, on, um, on, on in kind of opposite of that if, you, if you're interested in helping us moderate that'd be cool too yeah yeah, yeah absolutely so so there's that that's gonna be coming up check it in the um, check it on the web and we'll see on the website I suppose it's getting ready to be story time again. Oh, yes. But I thought this might be a nice quick moment to tell the miraculous story of the Sure Design t-shirts. 
where people lose faith, don't believe that miracles still happen in this cruel, cruel, <laughs> me and me only world. Yeah, if you guys, those of you guys who are who have ordered our T-shirts and are waiting for it, man, you have no idea the stuff we. Have. You figure printing a damn T-shirt is not the most, the hardest thing in the world. It's easier to launch a space shuttle. Seriously, man, it's been. Fucking nightmare from A to Z. I can't even tell you the number of people who flaked on us, who told us one thing and did another. I had multiple trips to downtown LA with arguing with strange people who had promised us shit that then didn't get delivered. The one, check this one. My favorite was a guy who gave us a really cheap quote and gave us, yeah, the best notch t shirts, all this stuff. Uh, we go there and it's like, oh no, I told you that it was the cat tag, meaning all the ones that are misshaped and stuff. He was like one step away from basically saying, come on, you don't need two sleeves, right? Your listeners will like... Just, sleeves you know, are overrated. Yeah, you need one. You cut them up anyway. That one is one sleeve and the neck is so hanging. Catch was. We like to call so. them one of a kind. In any case, bottom line, after being attempted to be cheated by like 17 million people, and um, what we got was... Um, I was in a panic. I was like, oh, man, we're not giving out our shirts. We're already told them we're running late. Fuck, this is going to be bad. We are almost losing money on shirts uh, for each shirt we sell because it's going to be more expensive than expected, all this crap. Panic, panic, panic. And um, the God who watches over us, the good Duncan Trussell, hooked us up. And hooked us up with, oh, man, this was so cool. If you guys have ever listened to the Duncan Trussell podcast, which I assume quite a few of you guys have, um, you always hear him going off about Sure Design. And Sure Design t-shirts are just... Uh, what happened is I get the email on the same day after I ask Duncan, hey, do you have some hookups? Can you talk to your friend in Thailand from Sure Design? What's going on? I get the email back in like minutes right after... Bennett is on it, he jumps in and he's basically saying, yeah, I help you out, I'll get them done for you, no problem, I'll have them done. I can do them right now in Thailand because it would take six weeks or something to have them done and I know your listeners, you're already running a little late. I'll have them done from my friends in the US, they will be done, you'll have them, just mention us, give us a little bit of publicity and we'll just send them to you, don't worry about anything. And I was like... Santa exists, thank you God, there is a good and just God after all, and uh, the universe is a good place. That's why Sure Design is the official sponsor of Storytime, because that's a great fucking story, yeah, man. No, I, I love this People guys. taking care of each other? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank and, you, Sure Design. And by the way, beside our shirt, check out their website, we'll put it in the episode uh, oh, notes, yeah. is uh, suredesigntshirts.com. I love, I mean, I'm not saying it just because uh, the luck we have had so far is that all the people who have either affiliate sponsorship or real sponsorship is, uh, they've all been people that we really dig their stuff. So we don't have to lie and be like, we, that amazing I, I love the AK-47 collection right, of, or, of Sarah Palin dolls yeah. that we are now moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very excited to be a part of this. Thank you, Monsanto, for sponsoring oh, this God. podcast. And Right. It's not like that. You know, luckily we have people that we are actually really excited about. The sure design stuff is awesome. But, have you seen the octopus? Or Right. And I wondered, does Gandhi get a cut? Because I did see his head on top. Anyway. There's like some East Asian meets hippie paradise vibe. There are like some 
freaking insanely good thing. He's sending me a couple. I'm so excited about that. But in any case, he also offers a discount for you guys. So what code do we need to use here? Daniele is so hot. No, that's not the code. That's a long one. The No, uh, Warrior. So ah. W-A-R-R-I-O-R, Warrior, you got 10% off. So check it out. We love these guys. They saved us when we needed it. So please support them. And you got some pretty awesome clothing out there. Story time today is a um, life story of one of the wildest characters in the history of the world, pretty much. I just went to LACMA not too long ago. Um, they hooked me up with free tickets. Thanks about that, by the way. Good LACMA. And uh, that gave me satisfaction. I actually told them, it's like, yeah, I'm coming down for the Drunken Taoist podcast. And can you give us... Like, what? The, yeah, really? they were awesome. <laughs> they hooked us up. They looked up the podcast, did everything. And, you know, they were like, sure, well... So in any case, long story short, gave us these tickets to go see um, an exhibit by... Um, it's a Caravaggio exhibit. Caravaggio is like one of the greatest painters of all times. There were about five of his original paintings and then a bunch of the rest were people who from the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s kind of imitated his style. And so you got to see that. So beside the fact that it's a trip to stand there in person and be right in front of paintings that some human hand played with do you, do you 500 years ago. Do you ago. go right in? You go pretty damn close. Yeah, I do that too. And I, you, and I mean, you're think, you're looking at that piece of, oh yeah. you know, the canvas Actually, and you're there's, like... There's still a damn uh, a hair of a brush right. hanging out of the paint. And there's somebody 500 years ago who was there doing this stuff. Caravaggio is from the late 1500s, early 1600s, so close enough. The, um, I mean, that's a trip in itself. Oh, and the fact that the painting survived all those years. Yeah, precisely. Like, under the file, what has this thing seen? Mm. Like, can you imagine before mm. being in various museums, yeah. the amount of life that this painting has been in front of? There's, a, there's a great book, um, The Dragon's Trail uh, by Joanne Pittman. It's um, Raphael's painting, St. George and the Dragon, which is you know today in the National Art Gallery in D.C. Just a classic painting that survived wars and right. left a museum fire minutes before the whole place went up. And, you know, all these great pieces of art that have somehow survived the centuries. No, no, it's amazing. Trip. It's And that's not even the guy. That's just a piece of canvas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just being... But in any case, the point of why... We go into Caravaggio today because Caravaggio was the Quentin Tarantino of his times. You know, he's <laughs> where he's much like Tarantino. He's the indirect opposition to this notion between the idea of high culture, as in the refined high culture versus the popular thing. Caravaggio is both at the same time. He's a freaking genius. Nobody can argue with, you know, he's the most, most amazing artist of all times. And at the same time, he's like Tarantino, like the stuff he does in his painting is so sometimes vulgar, over the top, very mixes the sacred and profane. There's actually a book that I picked up that I think, mm -hmm. Evan, yeah, that's exactly what it says. Is this book by this guy, Andrew Graham Dixon, uh, called Caravaggio, A Life Sacred and Profane. And by the way, thank you to whoever the publisher is, W.W. Norton for sending this out. That was sweet. I haven't read it yet, but I was told that this is a really damn good book about Caravaggio. And the title itself about the alive, sacred, and profane, 
that hits it on the head because it's um, that's Caravaggio right there is this mix of sublime and ordinary at the same time and his whole life story is a trip you know he was born in 1571 um, in this little tiny Thailand place actually maybe like 40 miles from where I grew up fairly close called Caravaggio his actual name was Michelangelo Merisi the town where he was from was Caravaggio um, from that yeah, pretty close to where I grew up is it still, he, it's still called Caravaggio? I believe so. But again, we're talking about this tiny little, not even town, you know, it's like this mm. tiny little hamlet kind of thing. So he was the um, last person in the world that was going to be the great painter. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's one of the things that even the story doesn't make sense when you begin because it's like, really, some of the most amazing painters going to come out from this forgotten corner of the world kind of thing? How did it happen? Yeah, well, what happens is he goes off to Milan, um, where I'm from, to study under some painter when he's a kid. His father and uncle die in some crazy plague that was sweeping the city at the time. He, By the time he's 18, he goes off and decides to go to Rome, which was the main artistic capital of the Western world at the time. Mm. And he's heading out there, and um, quick detour in the story, by the way. The roads around Rome were notoriously infested with bandits. There was this one guy who was, he's a trip right there, this guy by the name of Marco Di Sciarra. He was a bandit boss a la Robin Hood who controlled the countryside around Rome. He gained so much power as an outlaw that he had an army of 1,500 men, 600 of which on horses, and... <laughs> He was, uh, he appointed local judges, he performed marriage ceremony. He was like a mafia boss of his time, but uh, with a cool twist to it, because like, for example, he had heard that this Italian poem, uh, poem, or Italian poem, what the fuck am I saying, poet, this Italian poet named Torquato Tasso was traveling through, but he was scared to travel to Rome because of all the reports about the bandit. Um, I'm Shara, scared to travel to Mexico. Seriously, <laughs> Shara went to find him and gave him you know full ride to lead to rome uh, with no and basically making clear he had you know there are other bandits who are not quite as sensitive to the arts as i am <laughs> so you know just to make sure you avoid problems let's lead you to rome and in any case so that was the contest in which caravaggio the travel you know traveling to rome wasn't an easy thing it was this hardcore thing he gets there his dirt poor, there are like 7 million other artists who are trying to market their wares, so to speak, and trying to get a career in Rome. It's sort of like Hollywood today in many ways. And everybody's waiting tables and all that. And um, <laughs> that was Rome in the late 1500s. Caravaggio started hanging out with some of these other painters and sort of the younger crowd among the artists trying to make a name for themselves. And he was always dressed in black. He had this, they, he and his friends would always drink like crazy, be big fans of going to brothels all the time, got into fights with the police. They, as they put in one of the books I was reading, a different one, I forget which one I say, they provoked the papal police hung around with the many Roman women of easy virtue, drank excessively and frightened... Uh, what did they frighten? Something. Bottom line, you know, these guys were artists slash badasses of the time. Now, this is where some of the things get interesting. Once mm -hmm. Caravaggio start getting commissions to paint, one of the things here, you know, the main thing that you get asked to paint is um, religious subjects. You know, that's what you got at the time. And it's all fine, except that the way he paints them 
is a bit disturbing in the sense that his models for the saints, for the Virgin Mary, they are all bandits and hookers. You know, every single Virgin Mary he draws is based on a hooker that he knew. That already doesn't gain you a lot of points with the religious folks who are paying for well, the especially paintings. especially if you tell them. Right, when it's clear enough and so on. So the, um, he's doing that. He um, So in fact, a few cases, his paintings get rejected after they get commissioned because he had used prostitutes as models, all of that. He gets pretty controversial, like there's a scene that he paints the conversion of St. Paul and it's fairly controversial because he paints St. Paul in a corner of the thing and the main painting is he paints the horse of St. Paul and that takes center stage, again, problematic in some ways. The dude gets also in some... uh, Like, a lot of his paintings, if you look, most of them are taken from the Bible except that most of them involve somebody chopping somebody's else, somebody's say, head off in extremely gruesome fashion. There's a lot of awesome. And they are biblical stories, but, you know, the kind of biblical stories that he chooses to focus on are... And he portrayed them the way Tarantino directing a movie about the Bible kind of thing. You know, that's how Caravaggio's paintings look like. <laughs> Brutal, nitty-gritty, oh, intense. Gold, and golden hemorrhoids and vengeance. Basically. You know, there's um, there are a couple of great ones that... Um, <clears throat> there's one that he paints at one point that is this wow. story that exists in the Bible about this lady who seduces an enemy captain because this dude was uh, trying to destroy her people. So once she gets him drunk and he's passed out, she then proceeds to chop his head off and take it back, demoralizing this guy's army and leading to a victory in war. And if you look at the painting, the way Caravaggio did it, it's so insanely gory without being... Well, it's kind of over the top, but we're actually going to use this one 35. in the episode notes. Yeah. That's going to be our cover for the episode notes yeah. for this episode. Did they have one that one in Lagma? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, no, that one wasn't there. I would have cried if that was there. That was so beautiful. But no, that wasn't there. But, you know, all of his paintings are like that. You know, there are multiple ones where he's doing like David and Goliath and there's Goliath's head chopped off. A couple of ones he painted. Goliath's head is, is a self-portrait. He's putting himself in there, which is pretty was, funny. Was this the 1500s? Late 1500s, early 1600s. Oh, so he had plenty of trouble from Vatican City, I'm sure. Right. And, you know, it didn't help the fact that at one point, when he finally managed to kind of climb high enough that he gets a commission from the Pope. Uh-oh. And they ask him to draw um, Virgin Madonna with Child, you know, the Virgin Mary thing. Again, he chooses a hooker as a model. <laughs> and I'm I'm going to let this guy, Roberto Longhi, he's the dude who, in a way, rediscover Caravaggio, because Caravaggio was really not very well known for 300 years. This art critic in the 1920s was super passionate about him, started writing about him, led to this rediscovery of Caravaggio's work, and ever since then, he's become huge again. You know, like everything is fashion, I guess. But Longhi writes about this um, this painting that's called Madonna dei Palafranieri, or Madonna with Serpent. He writes, Why was it precisely when appeal was being made to his sense of responsibility and his ambition that Caravaggio felt impelled to adopt the most brutal interpretation? In fact, though he knew that the subject was linked to the liturgical symbol of the Immaculate Conception, the dominant tone of the work is strongly plebeian. 
Saint Anne is an old gypsy. The Virgin has her skirts rolled up like a washerwoman. And Christ is as naked as the day he was born. Why did it does put everything at risk? Rejection was inevitable. So, you know, with that painting, which was a beautiful, awesome painting, but the doors to St. Peter were permanently closed for him. <laughs> he was a done deal. He's like, good, you had your fun, but yeah, that's not going to win you many friends. <laughs> and in the meantime, as he was doing all that, this is actually where the badass part came in. He was getting an insane amount of fights. Like, there are stories of... Um, in there are so many like in this one case like uh, one of um, Caravaggio's models one of the many hookers that he was using as mm. models um, he got into a fight with this one big shot who was one of her clients and we don't know whether he was jealous and he objected to the modeling session or what was the reason but in any case he's getting into his fight with one of the his model's clients and this dude shows up at the local court in Rome, bleeding like crazy, saying that Caravaggio stabbed him. And he later will mysteriously withdraw all charges, which he inserts some cool mafia dealing behind closed doors. Mm. Um, so you get that. So every other minute, Caravaggio ends up in jail. And his art patrons who admire his style, because his style is, he's a maestro of this thing called chiaroscuro, where you use the light and dark in a way that nobody had done before. He makes uh, painting become like very realistic. Unbelievable, almost yeah. photorealism. Yeah, they are. It's unreal. So many people love this art, and yet it was freaking embarrassing because the dude kept ending up in jail every other <laughs> second, and they would have to rescue him and do all sort of stuff and to get him out. So, you know, in this other case, there was um, one of the most famous ones. There's. Um, <laughs> One in which he um, he's playing this game of like it's a version of tennis, I guess. Not exactly tennis, but close enough. And in the course of the game, he's playing against a pimp who's the pimp of one of his main models. So a lot of his fights are connected with hookers. <laughs> and um, you know, if I'm romantic, I'll imagine that he's defending the hookers from either evil clients. Ooh, terrible, terrible pimp. Who, who the hell knows? In any case, bottom line is something is brewing and people say that the game was purely an excuse, but they accuse each other of cheating and uh, both of them carry knives on a regular basis. So knives are drawn. Caravaggio get wounded, but he end up killing the other dude. And apparently he was trying to chop off his balls in the process and he ended up cutting his femoral artery and killing him. So, you know, it's the same guy that painting this amazing, beautiful stuff is the same guy who's like slashing people to death, you know? So it's like the same hand that's doing both. That didn't go too well, even because after that, when he was questioned by the police, there's this cop who goes off to question him, and they find him with a crushed skull in the middle of the street. And when they ask Caravaggio, he's like, hey, we knew he was coming to your house. What the hell happened? He was like, yeah, he was interrogating me, and then this stone fell off from a roof, and he died. You know, it's like... It's the damnest thing. I hate when that happens. You know, there's that. Um, so he had to, he escaped from prison multiple times. A few times his art patrons bribed the guards to look the other way and let him escape. You know, he got tortured before he was, he, he managed to escape and all of that. So What did they torture him for? Just for fun? To get a confession. Oh, yeah, you know, okay, the okay. standard thing back then is we torture you until you confess kind of thing. I thought they were wondering where the weapons of mass destruction Yeah, were. that's right. Yeah. That's where he would the confession He didn't know either, about. did he? No. Uh, no I didn't think so. Mm. The, uh, 
That, so it's it, funny. Was, was it the church that had him incarcerated? Yeah, at that point. They kind of handled it. It's funny. Galileo had the same story in many. He, he didn't get in so many knife fights. Right. Yeah, Galileo the was. The church would put you away. Oh, of course. No, the church at the time was as nasty. Well, the church in a lot of times was as nasty as it could be. But definitely at that time was. Like in, in Rome, around the time when Caravaggio was there, this guy Giordano Bruno was burned at the stake because he was a heretic, which essentially his crime was arguing. I don't believe a different you. Version. It's not like he was atheist or anything. He was a different version of Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Different interpretation of burned at the stake. Uh, and by the way, let me see if I find a quote about uh, Bruno because it's such a badass quote. Mm -hmm. And I had it written here somewhere. Um, yeah, not going to happen. Sorry. I'll get it when in another episode. There's uh, the story that Jordan Bruno tells when they sentence him to that. Well, I'll tell you the, I don't remember the exact quote, but the basic message is he's addressing the judges who are sentenced him to be not just killed, burned at the stake. Not a pleasant way to go. No. And uh, he look at the judges and say, looking at you, I see you are more fearful of pronouncing the sentence than me of receiving it. Mm. So, Jesus Christ. Don't you hope when the, when, when, when the chips are down, that comes out? Man, that's some <laughs> hardcore Something guy. like it. My God. Door but yeah, in any case, point being, yeah, by the time Caravaggio is probably guilty of multiple murders by now, so the... <laughs> the papal police uh, he's condemned while he's gone and he escapes he's condemned in absentia and basically the meaning from then on it becomes that any cop who catches him can kill him on sight wow. you know they don't have to give him trial or anything he can be killed on the spot so he's like if there was a Italy's most wanted list at the time with the TV program and stuff. He would have been on it, you know. And uh, he needed the Robin Hood gangster to help him out of that. Seriously, he's on the run. Uh, he goes to Naples, works there for a little bit. Among the things he does, and again, check out some of his paintings. Now that's not Just, too far either. That's not even too far, but you know, Italy back. Well, Italy now for that matter, but Italy back then, if you're 20 miles away, is a whole different story under different politics and there's other really? things. So yeah, that's why people in Italy's. Like people talk about, you know, an Italian accent. The reality is that there are like 300 different accents which are nothing like each other. And from 50 miles to the next 50 miles, people speak different kind of thing. So it's very fractured word. It's not like Italy the way we think it today. It's like a very local provincial thing where each little place has its own thing going. And keep their own secrets and... A well, lot. this guy, and he and, didn't change a bit, did he? And usually they hate each other's guts, oh, right? Oh, that's like, easier. Uh, How long ago was it that there was a, a united Italy? Was, uh, recently. Not, yeah, uh, late very, 1800s, right, 1860 exactly, yeah. or some shit. So, so. Yeah, I mean, even to this day, like, I go in Tuscany, for example. Uh -huh. If you go to Tuscany today, there's um, two towns that crack me up. There's, like, Livorno and Pisa. They are mm -hmm. maybe, what, 50 miles away, if that. They've hated each other for the last 500 years. There's like this thing that uh, guys from Livorno, they have this saying that's like, it's better to have a corpse in your own household than to have a guy from Pisa knocking at your door. Wow. It's like, and these guys is like, you can throw a stone from one town to the next. You know, they're Does like, anybody even remember when anybody's pissed off they about probably it? will sit for three hours telling you about the battle that took place in uh, 15, whatever. And, and then at the end. Right. But in any case, so point is Caravaggio is on the run. Some of the work he's doing again is gets as controversial as ever. Always like he does this one thing that he's commissioned this painting in Naples called the seven works of mercy. And is all this thing about this um, line based on uh, 
one of the gospels i think the gospel of matthew that's all about you know the seven things that you can do for your fellow man kind of like your trip about you know the helping sharing being good you know feeding people sounds all that. like a nice list except that you know caravaggio being caravaggio one of the parts was about feeding people and he's feeding people you see this old man in jail and this woman bearing a boob sticking her boob through the bars where the guy's suckling her and i mean it's like what the fuck you know it's like and that's a religious painting wow so yeah he was uh, a little intense wow um, what else he went to malta he tried to become a knight of malta because that he believed he could get him a pardon for um you know um, from the pope and he tried that. Of course, he gets into trouble there as well. He gets arrested. Nobody knows why. There are different stories about why it could have been. Nobody has any evidence. Um, he managed to escape again because that's, beside being an artist, he was an escape artist. It's good to have friends. Goes off to Sicily, goes to Naples, gets into a fight in the street, left for dead, managed to escape from there again, arrived to a place close to Rome, but not in Rome because he was waiting outside to essentially for the Pope to forgive him, trying to see stay outside of papal jurisdiction. And story goes is that somebody murders him on the beach. Uh, the body's him. never found, so there are different stories. There's somebody, one of many, many, many people who wanted him dead did murder him on the beach. Or somebody suggests he made it all up and probably lived until he was 500 years old after, you know, f- faking his death to escape all this problem. Nobody knows. I like the second one, of course, because he's a cooler legend, but <laughs> who knows in the reality. He did not make many friends in his life. So, for example, his first biographer, talking about his death, writes, his death, like his life, was disgraceful. You know, that's... <laughs> And, um, but yeah, I mean, some of his paintings are like, you see a bunch of paintings of St. John the Baptist and quite a few of them are this naked young kid who's smiling, real big, hugging a ram. And you're like, that dude is smiling a little too big to be hugging a ram. He's like, what's going on between this naked boy? And there are like a bunch <laughs> of Salome with the severe dead of John the Baptist. Uh, the only painting that he actually signed is signed in red using what looked to be like the blood from the neck of John the Baptist is signing his name with that in the wow. painting. Again, Tarantino would love this guy, right? He's, well, uh, what was also interesting is in the book there was like a Medusa head and stuff like that, so he was doing classic stuff as well. And your telepathy thing is on Sorry. again because that's where I was going. No, that's perfect. <laughs> that's creeping me out, but that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, if check out the um, Google Caravaggio Medusa head. I don't remember what the title I probably is Medusa, but whatever is the um, it's like the scariest thing you're ever gonna see. There's this chopped off head of Medusa, which is this mythological thing from Greek mythology where you have like the snakes coming out of her hair. And the idea was that she would turn into stone if you look at her, so the only way to do it was chop off her head. And in any case, it's like the scariest, most disturbing face ever with blood squirting from the severe dead. He was big on chopping off heads i think both in his art and in reality it looked <laughs> like he was onto something how old was he when they finally caught up with him 30 so it was like 36 37 wow. something like says, that uh, live fast 38. yeah 38 yeah so yeah man dude was something else and you know you look at him today and he has this reputation of like one of the greatest artists of all times you l- look about his life and he's literally as wild as it ever gets i think you know, mike v would have approved yeah most that i mean how can 
this dude is disturbed, you know, there's probably not the best role model in life ever. At the same time, he's so beyond good and evil in some way that is grandiose. He's regardless of whether you're talking in a good term or in bad term, he's like he's larger than life. And that makes it appealing. If not... Well, just the painting alone, that right. skill is yeah. so... And you've seen it, and I've seen him as well. Mm-hmm. You could figure out a Picasso. Sure. Now, he kind of... Not that it wasn't amazing, not that sure. the movement wasn't amazing, not that, you know, the stuff was great. But those photorealistic things from the 1500s and the 1600s, Whoa. you could start today and practice for the rest of your life and yeah. never accomplish no. this. And they were cranking them out in weeks. Yeah. Over no. and over and over again. And right. then to be that wild on top of being that talented, that's kind of a special person. Yeah. Sounds and like a movie in the making. Seriously. Really does. <laughs> Seriously, I want to play. What was his name again? Bruno? Uh, no, no, no. Well, yeah, that. <laughs> no, Shara. I want to be the bandit mafia boss. I want. So if you guys are making a movie about Caravaggio, keep that role for me. I'm down with I that. I think we can arrange that. And, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, another thing that's a trip about his art is every artist in the universe that would paint on that scale with this big canvas and stuff would first draw the outline of his characters and then work on it. He would do everything first try. There was no plan, no pre-drawing, no nothing. He would just start painting and that was it. And are they the massive 12 foot by 14 foot insane canvases? So you need to know to an inch exactly what you're going to do. And I mean, that right there is... uh, Nah, some people got it. Yeah, yeah. but some people dug him. And then, you know, you have like other artists. Like, for example, there was this one artist who came to Rome shortly after Caravaggio's death. And his thing about after seeing Caravaggio's painting, he said he came to destroy painting because he's wilder than anything else. You know, it's like it's unlike the way anybody else has painted. And even when you see like the LACMA exhibit where you see people who imitated him, you can clearly tell which one it's him and which one is not. Uh, before you even look at the tag, it's like there's something else in what he's playing with. Um, there is only one Sex Pistols. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, good one. Yep. So. That was an excellent one. Dang, I'm really pumped about checking this book out too. Uh, Andrew Graham Dixon. This is good. Yeah, I haven't checked it out. I'm really excited about it i checked on amazon there seem to be really good reviews and everything speaking yeah. of which if you guys decide to pick that or anything else and you guys already know the drill please use the amazon link on the donate part of uh, the drunken taoist podcast or use the daniellebolelli.com and pick whatever book cover you find on the front page and then it open an amazon window and you can search for anything you want yeah this one especially so has, uh, 80 it's saying it's 80 full color reproductions yeah yeah yeah, yeah pretty yeah. awesome and uh, if nothing else google some of his paintings check the images because disturbing yes but amazing oof for sure and if you're in town definitely go to lacma and check it out yeah lacma I think it's the last few days, so depending on when we release the episode, they either catch it at the last minute or it may just have closed, but yeah, it's if you got a chance in any format, you can check it out. That's story time, everybody.
and so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon.